So I'm not sure when you uh, actually stop calling the new year the new year and when you start calling it 2019, but at some stage in our minds and in our conversations, we'll stop saying the new year and we'll start saying, oh, in 2019. When that is, I don't really know. I don't really know. But I wonder how the new year or 2019 is going for you so far. It's almost one twelfth over. But uh, lots more to come, lots more to come. And I guess for some of you, it's, um, it's business as usual. And the only thing really that has changed is the date. It's now 2019 instead of 2018. And other than that, nothing much has changed. And perhaps for some of you, it's been a year with some new changes. Um, maybe a, a new start somewhere, um, children starting school or going into a new year at school or... Um, students who have finished school and going into university, um, something new, um, or perhaps uh, a new address, you've, you've moved home, or starting a new job, or uh, new friendships, um, a new sporting opportunity, or whatever it might be. And I guess for some, 2019 gives new challenges, um, perhaps things that you were expecting, um, but now will be a challenge, or maybe even things that are unplanned and unexpected. But whatever, it's a bit of a journey, isn't it? Through familiar and or unfamiliar territory. And this morning I want to share with you a recent journey that I had and some insights from that journey that may help you as you continue into 2019. Now, it wasn't a long journey. It wasn't and a journey to distant lands and exotic places. Um, It was just a very short journey. In fact, it only lasted for about two hours. But stay tuned and I'll share it with you. It was on New Year's Day this year and uh, we were very fortunate to have friends who have uh, a unit on the 12th floor of a unit block that uh, overlooks part of Sydney Harbour. And they're away in Brisbane over New Year's Eve, and we were able to stay in their unit for New Year's Eve. And so we could sit on the balcony, see fireworks, see most of the bridge, not all of it. There was a, a, another unit blocking our view. Um, but an amazing opportunity. Um, and, of course, we stayed up late. We had the whole family with us, our adult children and our grandkids, and uh, we were able to watch the fireworks, enjoy all of that. And uh, then look over the balcony and see the thousands of people getting funneled this way and that way as they were catching trains home and we just decided to go to bed. It was a really wonderful opportunity that we had. But the thing is that with young children, our grandchildren, um, they didn't stay up late. Um, One stayed up for the nine o'clock fireworks. The youngest, Reuben, went went to bed the normal time about seven o'clock on New Year's Eve. So he didn't know that the rule for New Year's Day, sleep it off. He didn't know that. No one told him. So at 5.30, he was up and ready for action. Now, I'm a bit of an early bird, and so I thought, well, I'll uh, do my grandfatherly duty, stick him in the pram, and we'll go for a nice long walk and uh, give the rest of the household a chance to sleep in. So that's what I did, and this is my journey. Down the elevator, across the foyer, hit the button, the glass doors at the entrance of the building opened, and there I was, out on the street. 
And here's the first part of my journey. If you're taking notes, there's six points. This is number one. Left or right? Decisions, decisions is the first point. Decisions, decisions. Now, it didn't much matter whether I go left or right. And it wasn't a big decision. But I wonder how many decisions you've already made this year. I wonder how many decisions you've even made this morning. Some decisions we make are insignificant. Do I have three wheat bix for breakfast or two wheat bix and a piece of toast with Vegemite? Not a real big decision. But some decisions that I'll be making, and you will too, no doubt, will be very significant. Decisions about things. Do we move into that new house? Do we make that major purchase? Do we take up that job? Some decisions will be about people. Do I pursue that relationship? Do I offer time and invest time into that person? Who do I choose to be with? How do I resolve that problem that I have with that person? They're more significant decisions. Some, as uh, we've heard already today, have, been, have decided to be baptised. That's a significant decision, as they say publicly that they want to follow Jesus and serve him. And following Jesus is one of the most significant, well, let me rephrase, following Jesus is the most significant decision that you can make. The Bible says in John 14, 6, these are the words of Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a big decision to make, to follow Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. This verse isn't on the screen, but in John 10.10, Jesus says, I've come to give you life, and that you might have life to the full. And decision to follow him is so significant. Way back in Old Testament times, Moses, who led the people of Israel out of captivity in Egypt, spoke with them and gave them a choice. They had a decision to make too. And uh, this passage is found in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30. Moses speaks, he says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death. That's a pretty big decision. Between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. Did you catch that? Here's the choice between life and death, blessings and cursings. And you can make the choice by loving God and obeying him, which is the key to life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. That's a bigger choice than three wheat bix or two wheat bix toast and Vegemite, isn't it? A very significant choice to make. And we read a little later in the final chapter of the next book of the Bible, Joshua, the last chapter of that book, chapter 24. And at that stage, the people of Israel had gone into the promised land and they'd had to fight battles in order to take that land. And different parts of the land had been appointed to them to settle in. And they started to do that. And things seemed to be going well. But Joshua called them all back again 
And this is the last speech that he gave to the people. He reminded them of all that God had done. Talked about their ancestors, Abraham, who lived beyond the Euphrates River and didn't know God and how God came to him and called him and took them to a promised land. How they were brought into captivity in Egypt, but God, through miraculous signs and events, took them out of Egypt, put them in the promised land. He reminded them of all that God had done. He talked about the battles they had to fight, but the victory that God gave them. So it seems, from all appearances, that things are going well. They've been through all of this, they're settled in this new land, and it's all theirs. But Joshua's challenging them, saying, you've got to choose to serve God. Even though God has done all these amazing things, you still have to make that choice. And he says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? I think there can be a danger when we make choices and when we arrive at that destination. I've chosen to do this. Here it is. Made it. Sit down. Put my feet up. And Joshua is saying, at this time, more than ever, you've now got to serve the Lord. Clean out everything in your life that isn't godly. Don't get complacent. Don't think, here it is, everything's okay. Continue to serve the Lord. I think the journey and the choices of continuing to remain faithful to God are above everything else that we do. And let's not be fooled into thinking that we've made it. Some decisions like that one go better with a bold statement. Joshua says, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. All of the people knew that and they would have been keeping him accountable to that. We can make decisions such as, I'll cut out sweet things and exercise and try and shed those kilos. But if that decision is a secret decision, where's the support and where's the accountability? And we can go back on that and no one will ever really know. And I like that the people making, uh, having, sorry, having, uh, who are going to be baptised today are making that public declaration. They're saying, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. And they're saying that in front of all of us so that we can help them and support them as they're accountable to that. So there I was standing at the door of the apartment. You're probably thinking it's going to be a long, uh, a long message if we haven't even got outside yet. <laughs> and it didn't really matter whether I went left or right. Uh, I like to explore new places. The goal was to take Reuben out so others could sleep in. So it didn't really matter which way I went. Some decisions, of course, have bigger consequences than that. And we can't predict the outcome, but we can be confident in God. I love this proverb, Proverb 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So when we have decisions to make and we're not sure which way to go, we can trust in the Lord the best advice I can give you, if you find yourself facing a big decision during 2019, 
are the words that Moses gave the people. You can make this choice by loving your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. I went right. Down towards the harbour foreshore. And uh, here's my second point. This one's called Under the Bridge. As I walked around the foreshore, I went underneath the harbour bridge. Now, I've gone over the harbour bridge many times in a car or train and sometimes even on foot. But to actually be underneath it and look up, you see what an amazing structure it is. Can we have that first photo? Thanks, Caleb. So you see the big steel girders that are underneath the bridge. Now, this photo doesn't really do it justice. If you're standing next to those, they're as big as you. It's huge. And they're fastened into concrete, which is fastened into the rock. And they make this really firm foundation for the, uh, the bridge. As well as the steel, there's concrete pylons. There's granite pylons. You can see one there on the screen that to hold up the road structure. And uh, standing underneath it, you can hear trains rattle over. And there's no fear the bridge is going to fall down. The morning traffic starts to come there. And uh, it's just an amazing structure. When they finished building it, they actually put 96 steam locos. Now, they're big, heavy machines on the bridge all at the one time and left them there for a few days. And they wanted to take accurate measurements to see whether the bridge moved at all. And uh, they decided if it could hold these 96 steam locos for this time, then it would be safe enough to open up. Now, people who cross the bridge don't necessarily know all of this. They don't know that it had been load tested. Uh, They actually tested some of the steel girders, put them in a big machine to see how they would twist and bend and buckle and warp. People just go about their daily lives, cross over the bridge without giving it a second thought. The bridge serves a purpose. But in a sense, it almost becomes invisible. Yes, it is spectacular. And uh, yes, if you stand and look at it, you think, wow, that is an amazing structure. But in the busyness of day-to-day life, it can become invisible. You just cross it in your haste to get to where you have to go. The only time regular users of the bridge would really think about it is when there's a traffic hold-up. Then people start to curse the bridge and think poorly about it. And it can be the same for God. God is there. He is strong. He has a foundation. He's reliable. He's what's holding us up. But in our day-to-day life, we can just cross over like we do cross the bridge without giving God a second thought, and it becomes invisible in the busyness of our life. And when something goes wrong, we then think about God and perhaps even curse him. But when things are smooth, we don't even know. Psalm 46, a favourite of mine, says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. God is always there. He is strong. He is dependable. He is reliable. Do you know, it's hard to imagine, but at some stage, the harbour bridge isn't going to exist anymore. It will not last forever. 
despite the fact that they paint it from one end to the other and then start and keep painting and keep painting and maintenance and look after it and test it and do all those things, it will not last forever. God will always be there. Let me point something out to you. Can you go back to the first of those photos, Caleb? Have you ever noticed that the bridge does not connect to the pylons? If you ask someone to draw the harbour bridge, they'll do a pylon, pylon, arch from one to the next. The arches do not touch the pylon, as you can see in that photo. The arch is embedded into the earth, and that's where it's supported. The arch holds up the roadway, but it was built mainly... Sorry, the pylon holds up the roadway. It was built mainly to make it look good, like bookends. The architect thought the bridge would look funny if it just ended at the arch. So it makes it look better. But also, the architect and the engineers thought it would give the public more confidence in the bridge if it looked like something was holding it up. So really, you could take down those tall pylons um, on either side and on either end of the bridge, and it wouldn't affect the structure of the bridge. They're decorations. And it made me think, I wonder what kind of decorations we have in our life that we think are the foundation of our life. My life is solid and it's fantastic because of my job, because of my relationships. I have a wonderful life because I have a great income. I have a wonderful life for this reason or that reason. But they are decorations. They're not really the foundation of our life. Let's remember that God is that foundation. The third thing on this walk, bumped into a fisherman. This is how the conversation went. Catch anything? I know that's an amazing opening line when you're talking to someone who's fishing. That's how I started the conversation. Fisherman, nothing around here or in any other places. And then he gave me his expert advice as to why they weren't catching anything. I said, it's an early start for you. He said, yes it is. I'm usually not out of bed till 10 o'clock. I said, is work okay with this? He said, I work for myself. I'm a lawyer. I used to work for others. But now I work for myself and it's the best thing. He continued, I watch TV till 2am, then I sleep till 10am and make no appointments with my clients before midday. I decided then we were probably from different planets. (laughs) There is no way I could keep those hours, nor could I rock into work at 10am. He continued, my wife and kids don't really like that, but I've earned it. And it's my time. I used to have the best cars and fancy suits, but don't really need that anymore. They serve their purpose. They got me girls and clients. Now I can do what I want. What about you, he asked. I'm a school teacher. Okay, he said. But what about... For yourself, well, I like working with students, 
staff and parents? No, 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 he said. What about for yourself? I replied, it's meaningful. I like it. He replied, yes, but what about you? I replied, well, I like going for walks along the beach with my wife. I like travelling with her, being with my kids and grandkids. Yeah, but that's not for you. What about for you? Well, I like getting up early and going for a bike ride. But, but have you made it? Can you do what you want to do? At that point, I decided we weren't on different planets. We were on different universes. Shortly after, there was a car horn bipped and it was his mates calling him to pack up his gear and get going. They were going to try somewhere else where the fish were biting and off he was. But it made me think, is that life's goal? To get to a point where you can do what you want to do with little regard to the others. In Galatians, in the New Testament, Testament, chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. My life is not my own, and my goal is not to get from the world as much as I can get, but rather to serve God wherever I'm positioned, in my family, my work, friends and church. And I don't have to be concerned about things of the world, fast cars, nice suits, late night TV, or where the fish are biting. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothes? And I'm sure if Jesus was speaking now, he'd add fast cars as well. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying at a single hour, to your life. He goes on to say, seek first the kingdom of God. Well, Mr. Fisherman, what do I want? What about me? I want to live for God. The fourth part of this journey, the young men from overseas. So I decided to walk over the bridge. We had a lot of time to kill. My only concern was that at either end of the bridge, to get up to the pedestrian walkways, there's lots of stairs, and I had the pram. I thought, well, I can probably manage bump, 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 get the pram up bit by bit, and Reuben was still awake, so I thought, well, I'm not going to shake him awake if he's asleep. And as I got to the north side, um, I found that there was actually an elevator had been installed um, from the street level up to the bridge walkway, and I thought, you beauty, so we Jumped in, hit the button, up we went, and we're on the, uh, the walkway of the bridge. And uh, as I was walking on the bridge, you could sort of see down to the land areas there, and there were council workers and volunteers cleaning up after New Year's Eve. And uh, ahead on the bridge, there were three young men, and they were just walking slowly, and they looked like they'd probably been awake all night and uh, were suffering the effects of, uh, of lack of sleep. So I decided I probably wouldn't go up to them and engage in conversation. I'd just sort of let them do their thing. But as I got to the southern side of the bridge, I found there was an elevator there too, and I'm really grateful for that because the stairs there, there's even more of them. And uh, I went to the elevator, found it was out of order. So I thought, well, there's no option, so I kept on walking towards the stairs. And just as I got to the stairs, I caught up with these three young people. To my absolute amazement, one of them turned around and said, would you like a hand with the pram? I said, yes, that'd be fantastic. 
So we successfully got down the stairs and uh, I got talking with these pleasant young men who I had totally misjudged as people who were probably hungover and drunk and so forth from a big night partying um, and uh, had a good chat with them. Um, here's the photo. There's Philippe from France, Stefan and Carl from Germany. And I said, this may seem weird, guys, but can I get a selfie? You are my angels for the morning. I couldn't have got down those stairs without you. They've been travelling and working in Australia, thoroughly enjoyed the New Year's Eve fireworks. And they weren't drunk or hungover. They were just tired from being awake all night and hungry. That bottle that Philippe is holding is Schweppes sparkling water. I just want to clarify that. You can zoom in and actually see the Schweppes label. So I directed them to Circular Quay where they found something to eat and continue their own journey. I was guilty of jumping to conclusions and making false assumptions about them before I'd even spoken to them. There's a quote from Abraham Lincoln and it says, I don't like that man very much. I must get to know him. I thought, yes, guilty. Who will you meet on your journey through 2019? I wonder. Who will God put in front of you to be your angel to help you down the stairs or to help you through a difficult time, to comfort you, to challenge you, to support or help you grow? Or who will God put in your way so that you can serve them and help them? Here's a newsflash. It may not be who you would choose. It may not be who you would choose. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he then goes to tell the story of the Good Samaritan, a man who helps someone in need. The person in need may not have chosen the Samaritan to help him, but he had no choice about it, and the Samaritan was the one who was there. Newsflash number two. Interactions with others aren't always easy and pleasant. They can be challenging. But God knows what we need. And it can be those challenges in life that help us to grow. So we got across the side, walked around to Circular Quay, the Opera House. And I decided it was too far to walk back. So I thought we'd catch a train. Got on the train, crossed the bridge, down the elevator on the working side of the bridge there, and thought, it's time to head back to the unit. But my walk took me past Luna Park. It was closed because it was 7 o'clock in the morning by that stage. But later that evening, we took both the grand boys back to Luna Park. And there's a perfect ride for little kids. It's a train, and it goes on a track, and the track probably is as circular as from this corner there um, to about here, and it just goes around and around and around and around. And they can sit in the carriage on their own. They all felt grown up because there they were on the ride. And little one, Reuben, when he rides around on the train, each time he came past us, bye. 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 And so on it went. And I guess from his perspective, he's thinking, Boy, I'm a long way from mum and dad, from grandparents, from aunts and uncles. Wow, it's just me and my brother. Bye. He's probably thinking, how do they run and keep up with me? It's amazing. 
And I wonder if that's sometimes like we think about our relationship with God. Us as adults were there watching them the whole time. They were never out of our sight, never in danger. They weren't doing anything we couldn't see. They were always there. And that's the same for God. He's always with us. And I wonder if times we sort of think to God, well, bye, I've done something really silly. I know that you couldn't possibly forgive me. Or bye, I haven't been to church for ages. You wouldn't be interested in me anymore. Or bye, my lifestyle really isn't one God that would be pleasing to you. Bye, we haven't seen each other for so long. I just don't spend time with you. And God's there the whole time. It's our perspective that makes us think that he's not. The Bible tells us, these are the words of Jesus in Matthew 28, Surely I am there with you always, even to the very end of the age. But back to the morning journey. After passing Luna Park, it was time to head back to the unit. The journey was almost at an end. We'd been out for about two hours The family was able to sleep in and I was ready for breakfast. About 50 metres from the unit, I passed an old church. And this is the sixth part of the journey for those who are taking note. And uh, there's a picture of the church up there on the screen. Uh, An old brick congregational church. Down the bottom there, there's a sign. Let's zoom in on that sign. And if it's not really clear on the screen there, in black, it says, The year may change. This is January the 1st, but God remains the same. Underneath that it says, learn English. (laughs) Like, if you don't know English, how can you read learn English? The Chinese Christian church. And I love that reminder in all of the things I've been thinking about while we were walking, that the year has changed. It's 2019, it's a new year, but God remains the same. He remains loving. He remains desirous of a relationship with you. It's his will and it remains that none of us will perish. He remains powerful but full of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And that was a wonderful way to finish that journey. Where has your journey taken you so far? I've just shared one experience of mine of a couple of hours of 2019. No doubt your circumstances and situations are very different. And I wonder what's the most important, significant aspect of my story for you. Is it that we have decisions and choices to make? Is it that God will support us and hold us up? Is it that our lives are not our own and our purpose isn't to sit and catch fish and stay up and watch TV till late? There's something deeper than that. Is it that We will meet people. Are we challenged about that? Or challenged about staying close to God or knowing that he doesn't change? You know what the most significant part of all of that is for me? None of those things, but all of those things. For me is that I had time to reflect and to think about all that I was seeing and what God might be telling me. And for me, as I continue this journey, that's what I want to keep doing, to stop and to reflect and think, God, what is it that you're saying to me? What is it that I need to learn? What do I need to know? There's some questions I came across recently 
that can help with that reflection time. And I want to encourage you to regularly take time to sit and to think, to have your Bible in front, to hear from God. What is it about my life? What have I seen today? What have I learned today? What do you want to show me? Here's some questions. What did I say I was going to do today in all dimensions of my life and what did I actually do? They're great questions to think about and reflect on. What am I proud of about today? What am I not so proud of? How did I lead people? How did I follow people? If I lived today over again, what would I have done differently? If I have tomorrow, and I'm acutely aware that someday I won't, based on what I do today, what will I do tomorrow in all dimensions of my life? In what way did I grow closer to the Lord? In what way did I help others grow closer to the Lord? And I know that if we take time to be with God, to reflect, to see what he has to say to us, that as we go through the journey of the new year, the journey of 2019, it'll be one where we can learn and grow and walk close with God. I'll invite the band to come back up and be prepared for their last song. And uh, as they do that, I'd love to pray for you all. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this new year, for what it has brought to us so far. Father, I pray that as we continue to journey through 2019, that we will do so hand in hand with you, that we will know that we were always in your sight, that you never let us go. Father, I pray that you would help us to find time to stop, to be with you, to think, to reflect, to see what it is that you would have us do. Father, I pray that if the year has started exactly as 2018 has started, that it won't end that way, that you will change us and challenge us, that we may grow, that we'll find ourselves in exactly the right position. Father, we thank you that though the year has changed, you have not. And I pray that we will continue to know your unfailing love and your faithfulness. Amen.